I'm Philippa Tolley and welcome to Insight. This week, APEC and Papua New Guinea. PNG is about to host some of the world's major powers at an APEC Leaders Summit. It will be the biggest event ever held in the Pacific country. But the government's priorities have been called into question. More than a third of Papua New Guinea's 8.5 million population lives below the poverty line, while tribal and political violence is a recurring problem. PNG's government says the nation will benefit from the international attention. But as Johnny Blades has been finding out, to pull off the event, it's had to rely heavily on help from overseas nations, particularly to build roads, hotels and conference facilities. On the side of the main road in the Port Moresby suburb of Gordons, a young father of two, Tauligo, is selling soft drinks and snacks at a small stall under a tree. This is my only income. I left job seven years ago. I used to work for Coke, and I saw that I was being underpaid. So I left, and I started my own market to sustain myself and my family. Is it enough to get by? Just enough for a day. The daily necessities you need, huh? school, lunch money, breakfast, dinner, and all that stuff, just to get by every day. But with the standard with the standard that we're living in right now, it's like, you have to do everything to make ends meet. You, how can I say, you live, we, we, today we live within our means, not beyond our means. About half of Port Moresby's population of around 350,000 live in settlements. These are unplanned urban villages where homes built from bits of wood and sheets of iron have minimal access to water and electricity. But while so many live in poverty here, PNG's capital is abuzz. There are roadworks everywhere, freshly erected bus stops with China Aid logos, a new conference centre and crowning it all, a gleaming national identity building on the city's waterfront, Apec House, designed in the shape of a traditional Lakatoi vessel linked to Motu Kotabu indigenous culture. Yeah, it's, it's a very big fuss. Everyone's complaining about, talking about APEC right now. Some are saying it's going to bring in good income. Some are saying the cost of living is going to be expensive. It's just a big fuss. Everyone's talking about APEC. Just because of the APEC, they're doing up the roads and then it's just a waste of money when money should be spent properly on these things, developing the country like Doctors need good doctors at the hospital, local schools, non-government uh, government schools, not been upgraded. Overpopulation of classes in schools, in government schools, should be having more teachers in government schools. Down the road, Lily, another young parent, is selling food. Her main worry is education, and for her, the current government's fee-free education policy has been less than successful. So I don't think it's a good for free education. So some parents, for some parents, they don't prefer sending their kids to government school because there's too many of them and it's overcrowded. So teachers can afford to, you know, how will they look at everyone in the class, more than 60 to 70 students in a class? So basically, how come should be looking at that area too? So if they call it a free education, they should do more classes, classrooms, so students can go to school. Across town at the Treasury, PNG's Deputy Prime Minister and Treasurer Charles Abel says that the chance to host APEC is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for the country. We need investment. 
we need partnerships. You know, we need capital to develop our country. And so APEC is going to present a wonderful opportunity, marketing opportunity for Papua New Guinea, because there's so many opportunities with the wealth that we have and the wonderful people that we have and the beautiful culture that we have, um, where we're placed geographically as well. This country has got all the makings of a huge success story, and it will be. But, um, you know, we need partners to help us to make that happen. So APEC presents an opportunity just for Papua New Guinea to be in the spotlight, bring all the CEOs here, bring the global leaders here, bring the world spotlight here. And we're saying that within this Asia-Pacific uh, region, which is going, going to be the major growth driver in the world over the next few years, Papua New Guinea is, is well-placed here. And so it's just part of that, the, the selling of our country in that sense. But the opposition wants the government to sort out problems at home before worrying about its international position. Opposition MP Brian Kramer believes PNG's main reputation is as a corruption hotspot. Well, firstly, we're already on the map. Uh, the problem is we're on the map for all the wrong reasons. Uh, the, the reality is we're a very small economy. So it's not like all of a sudden the world is going to open up um, to PNG. Uh, the challenge, uh, challenges uh, in PNG remain the same. Uh, in terms of doing business in PNG, in terms of corruption, and these are the deterrents uh, that are turning away investment. PNG has undergone rapid growth on the back of big mining and extraction projects, but revenues collapsed in the last few years due to a slump in global commodity prices. Poverty is rife in the capital's settlement communities, a number of which have been forced further out to make way for APEC infrastructure. Brian Kramer says the daily struggle is often accompanied by resentment and crime. Well, I mean, things are getting worse. I mean, how you know when uh, people are struggling, crime will pick up. And at the moment, you're seeing on the front pages that this issue of um, social issues uh, within communities, Port Moresby, around the country, it's becoming a lot more prevalent. And that is just showing that uh, society as itself is struggling. The reality is hospitals are running out of medicine. Uh, we're now we've got an epi- uh, in terms of a polio outbreak. So it seems that we're not focusing on our priorities, and that is the welfare of the people. Old diseases like polio, malaria and TB have re-emerged. HIV-AIDS is resurgent, enabled by chronic shortages of medicines and complacencies on vaccination programmes. But the government says it's investing record sums into infrastructure. At the street market in the impoverished seaside suburb of Hanuabada, just around the bay from Port Moresby's CBD and Apex House, Lucy is frying lamb flaps on a grill in the shade of a tree. Uh, a lot of improvement in the city. There's um, new buildings, and they're doing road construction and all this. It's good for the city, but um, not sure for the people living in the city. Uh, I think a lot of people are having economic crisis. There's uh, companies breaking down, not enough money for... There's been uh, redundancy in few companies, I've noticed. Up the street, near a pack of emaciated stray dogs, Dulcie sells betel nut, which Papua New Guineans chew with lime as a stimulant. She's trying to earn some money to support her family back home in the village. With her baby daughter on her lap, Dulcie tells me she's weary of APEC, that it looms as a threat. We are thinking all sorts of people will be coming in the country, so we are a bit scared in case of uh, all kinds of uh, people like Israel and those people are coming and being bombed or whatnot, so we are scared. We haven't prepared to go to the village. You think like there might be terrorism? Yeah, terrorism going on, so we are a bit scared of that, so we are getting prepared to leave for the village. 
Australia is deploying about 1,500 military personnel to Port Moresby for the summit. PNG's security forces are widely deemed too under-resourced to control crime in the city, let alone ensure security at a major event. While many of those in the capital have opinions about the benefits or not of hosting the Apex Summit, for the vast majority of Papua New Guineans, the international event won't touch their lives. Most of PNG's population of around 8 million live in rural areas, around 40% in the rugged Highlands interior. We're driving along the Highlands Highway. It's PNG's premier road system, a vital transport and commercial link, but the road's importance is in inverse relation to its condition. In most parts, it's in a state of disrepair and is often just a dirt road. This region was hit by a magnitude 7.5 earthquake in late February, triggering many landslides and big aftershocks. The quake caused almost 200 deaths and widespread devastation to buildings and infrastructure. Thousands of people were affected in one way or another. Many were killed. Uh, we know some people who were killed here, not, not far from here, mainly by landslides that were provoked by the earthquake. And uh, many had their gardens damaged, uh, their, uh, their small homes uh, destroyed. Uh, we ourselves and, and others, the government as well, suffered uh, great catastrophic damage to infrastructure as schools and uh, health care centres, <clears throat> of course churches and some mission buildings as well. Don Lippert is the Bishop of Mendy, the capital of Southern Highlands province. The aftershocks had barely died down when in June, political unrest forced the town into lockdown. After allegations of vote rigging, supporters of a losing candidate launched an attack against symbols of the state. The mob destroyed an aeroplane belonging to PNG's national carrier at Mendy Airport, as well as the local courthouses and the governor's residence. Uh, yeah, th there's always disturbances at the time of elections. Um, this last uh, disturbance that, that happened was a little bit more serious. But, uh, yeah, political uh, violence and, in general, just a general disturbance, is, I think, is, is growing, is on, the, is on the rise. Following the political unrest, a state of emergency is in place in the Southern Highlands, with PNG Defence Force troops deployed to restore order. Joseph Noah is one of the few teachers still coming to Mendy, where the rebuild of classrooms and staff housing has been slow to start. Uh, we need a big help. Uh, we know that, uh, that there's a big help coming into our province from other donor agencies in, uh, around the world, but uh, our government, our person who is uh, the charge of this country, which is a prime minister, down at the ground level, we don't know any, anything about the government. We just leave uh, because uh, our environments, the cold water, and we make gardens, and we get food from the garden, drink water, and we live like that. We don't know anything about the government. And uh, most of the millions of millions of Kina came into our uh, province, especially in the province, but uh, we did not get any help from this money. In neighbouring Hela province, where the quake's epicentre was located, there's been a surge in fighting between tribes armed with high-powered weapons. Such conflict has plagued the region for many years. But the biggest problem with people is the uh, mentality. They go for fight only. When there is a small problem happens, they go for fight only. They got guns and spears and all these things. And then that's the biggest problem in our minds. Set of mindsets of the people are not all good. 
With the proliferation of high-powered weapons, many coming through from neighbouring Indonesia, the tribes have outgunned and outmanned the police force. In Hela's capital, Tari, the fighting has caused dozens of deaths in recent months. Thousands of people are still homeless following the earthquake, and the violence has only made things worse. PNG's Defence Force deployed extra troops, but with the other emergencies in the region, they are stretched to their limit. Flying into Tari's airport, you can see a row of shipping containers at the end of the airstrip, the command post for the PNG Defence Force. Here, the Deputy Provincial Administrator, Eddie Yui, explains how they are trying to continue with post-quake relief efforts despite the fighting. Let's say during the um, natural disaster, we had the you know, supplies coming in from the national government, food rations and uh, clothing being supplied from uh, some other uh, organisations. We were trying to reach the affected people. They provided uh, the choppers precisely in the areas in that affected where you see a lot of uh, landslips in there and the people affected. But at the same time, we had a man-made disaster, you know. People come up with the, with the trouble fights and all this stuff. They really affected and uh, uh, the women and kids being affected. The tribal violence prompted the UN and other international agencies providing post-quake humanitarian assistance to briefly pull out of Hela, and that further hampered the delivery of help to remote communities, many still cut off from access by road. Yolanda is a mountaintop village in southern highlands, still grieving after losing several children in the quake. Flying in offers a startling view of how the flanks of the village have been undermined by landslides, which snatched huts, footbridges and food gardens, and created a river of debris that flowed down into the valley. Homes remain teetering on the hillside, while others still lie in a collapsed heap. One villager, Ruth, says everything in the village is broken. It knocked out the bridge. The bridge is damaged. The place is damaged. Roads damaged. Houses damaged. We no longer have a garden. So we're hungry. Water. There's no bridge. So we want to move to another place. We feel sick. Feel worried. Shocked. Fearful of another big quake, Yolanda Chief Richard Don explains they've made the painful decision to move the village off the mountain. But there are a lot of things to be done, like road. We, have, we require a road network. At the moment, we are very, very hard to live. At the moment, we don't have a garden. We already run out of food. Some of them are hunger. We, can, we made a garden, but then we cannot, cannot be happy within a month or two or three or four months. It, take, it may take another while to happen that food. So at the moment, we are very hungry now, and most of the people are really suffering. The UN estimates around 270,000 people were affected by the quake disaster. While for many, recovery remains a challenge, Bishop Lippert says the community knows they can't depend on the government. Perhaps at the beginning they were somewhat helpful in the areas of maybe giving some food uh, in some places. Uh, Not that I know of it. I myself am a bit, uh, I can say, frustrated, I I suppose, that uh, I was in Moresby recently and I saw them rebuilding perfectly good roads, spending millions and millions of kina on rebuilding uh, perfectly good roads for this APEC meeting that's coming up, when not one Toya has been given to the diocese, for example, and other churches to rebuild schools, churches, uh, classrooms, health care centres. I'm Johnny Blades, and you're listening to an insight about Papua New Guinea's hosting of the APEC Leaders Summit and what it means for Papua New Guineans. So how can PNG's government justify its spending on this summit when it isn't meeting the needs of most of its population? 
The APEC minister, Justin Chichenko, says being host has cost PNG around $270 million over the last three years. It's a, it's a major undertaking, but it's very, very important when it comes to uh, promoting the country, uh, economically-wise, putting it on the map for tourism, business, uh, many different aspects. I mean, the whole world will be watching when all the world leaders uh, from the 21 leading economies are here. So it's a huge thing, and we must take advantage of, of it as well for the country's long-term benefit, not only for trade and, and the economy benefits we'll get into the future, uh, but also the publicity we'll get during that time and putting PNG on the map. Advocates of APEC describe the benefits as a long-term payoff. The former governor of New Zealand's Reserve Bank, Alan Bollard, is the chairman of the APEC Secretariat. PNG has been hosting hundreds of meetings of APEC officials this year, and Dr Bollard says it's thrusting PNG to the forefront. It's doing two things. One is it's sort of pushing Papua New Guinea up into a very senior leadership position where they'll be able to influence the way that uh, APEC and other economic development goes right around the region. And Papua New Guinea is pushing for continued pressure to keep trade open and growing and to use that to keep economies growing. And, of course, Papua New Guinea is a very big commodity economy, and they'd like to develop that a lot further. Domestically, he expects there'll be benefits for PNG. Further to that, there is quite a big upgrade of infrastructure in Moresby, but that's basically going to help people import Moresby, not people out in the provinces. But um, there are some further developments along digital lines to help e-commerce, some of it remote e-commerce, some of it remote access health, and remote access education, which will potentially help people in the next few years out in the provinces also. New Zealand's government is giving PNG $15 million to help pull off hosting APEC. As Foreign Minister Winston Peters explains, this is consistent with its new Pacific Reset foreign policy view. It's a great chance for them to showcase the enormous resources they potentially have uh, in terms of economic and social development. But also it it is a country with some significant inbuilt problems such as language differences. There are over 730 different languages in and the PNG, and you can see the difficulties that would bring about. And there are huge sort of gaps in terms of modernity as opposed to some of the villages and settlements all around PNG. But they've got the prospect of serious improvement, and they're optimistic, and we've got to do our best to help. It's not just regional neighbours such as New Zealand helping to modernise PNG's capital, but bigger players such as China, as the APEC Minister Justin Chichenko explains. The Chinese government, through their aid project, have assisted Port Moresby to uh, aid uh, the upgrade of the Purupurana Freeway, the boulevard and many other projects. The Australian government's come in with defence um, and the New Zealand government's come in with protocol and defence and many other things as well. Australian jet fighters and surveillance aircraft will patrol the skies over Moresby, with Canberra also sending warships to protect cruise liners. The US Coast Guard will provide inshore security in the capital. Meanwhile, PNG's parliament has passed legislation giving unprecedented powers to foreign forces and security personnel to protect visiting leaders during the summit. The US Vice President Mike Pence will be representing the Trump administration at the summit, but has opted to spend his nights in Cairns rather than Moresby. But China's president will be in PNG for several days, and PNG has invited leaders of Pacific Island countries to APEC for a rare meeting with Xi Jinping on the eve of the summit.
having these world leaders here is creating history for our country and the region, not forgetting the Pacific. We've never had uh, leaders like this before ever come to this area. That's why the Prime Minister invited all the Pacific Island leaders to come here and be part of it, even though they're not part of APEC. Papua New Guinea's government says the new and upgraded infrastructure can be used after APEC. Treasurer Charles Abel admits that despite the record investment the government is making, it still can't afford to pay to upgrade education, health services and infrastructure throughout the country. We don't have the road and transport network. We don't have the power network. We don't have the communication network uh, in country. And we continue to struggle with governance arrangements, procurement arrangements and so on are inefficient. You know, we have corruption issues. No one is, no one is denying these things. We're, we're not there yet. We're a long way from it. You know, we're slowly but surely getting to a situation where we're empowering our people by providing proper competitive communication costs and power costs. And we, we had a situation where not enough of our kids are in school, the, the ones that are in school, the quality of the education is not quite there yet, the, the drug issues that we have, the number of doctors, the number of nurses. These things um, are a work in progress and uh, certainly whilst our government is doing record levels of investment into these areas, we're, we're not there yet, we've still got a long way to go. But Brian Kramer warns that the government is borrowing beyond its means and spending in the wrong areas. No, there's actually very little uh, road infrastructure um, in the other centres. I mean, Ley is still trying to figure uh, complete its road between the airport and Ley City. You've got Hagen, the same thing. They're talking about building these double-lane roads. The reality is hospitals are running out of medicine. Uh, we're now have got an epi- uh, in terms of a polio outbreak. So... It seems that we're not focusing on our priorities, and that is the welfare of the people. And if we continue to focus on infrastructure and you know, at the expense of the people's welfare, then eventually society as we know it will start to collapse and break down. That the fabric of PNG society is being stretched was evident during last year's election, rife with irregularities and violence. It also resulted in a parliament with no women MPs. The 52% of the population of this nation, when we women stand for... Um, elections. Unfortunately, because of the fear they have, men drag them to actually vote for men. Esther Igo, a candidate in last year's election, started the NGO Women Arise five years ago in response to soaring domestic violence rates and a surge in so-called sorcery-related attacks on women. Belief in sorcery is widespread in PNG and it's often women who are attacked when sorcery is suspected as the cause of death. Just last week in the Highlands, four women were tortured and killed with those responsible accusing them of using sorcery. With such rapid change, with women wanting to find a place in society, with men wanting to find their place as well and maintain their dominance and their masculinity and all of that, and with women also trying to find their place as well. The governor of Port Moresby, Powers Parkops, suggests that creating long-term economic activity, such as bringing APEC to PNG's capital, will help change mindsets. It's in the psyche of our people. They uh, are used to uh, that this is, you know, the predominant way in some sectors of our community that uh, problems or issues are solved. So, you know, resorting to violence has been like a tendency in the past, so I'm not going to pretend to say it will, uh, you know, change overnight. But I think what the way to get on, get, get on addressing this is to, you know, just grow the economy, create more opportunity, people, uh, grow the middle class, people start to change their values, 
and then they start to have more self-respect for themselves. They have greater goals, and then they, they um, you know, change their behaviour. But PNG's elected leaders continue to confound the country's citizens with their indulgences, particularly around APEC. This month, there was a public outcry over the government's purchase of 40 brand-new Maserati cars and hundreds of other luxury vehicles for use in transporting leaders at the summit. As Port Moresby transforms, ready to host up to 15,000 delegates for a few days, locals on the back streets of Barocco aren't convinced Apex is going to bring lasting change. For the people of Papua New Guinea, as far as we're concerned, uh, I think the only big people will benefit out of the Apex, while we uh, people down, down will never have good benefit out of the APEC. I think APEC is good because it's part of globalisation. It's putting PNG on the world map. Yes, and, you know, to pretend that we are something else is not good. We just have to do our daily activities and be us. We were, it's like we are trying to impress other people, I mean, the world leaders, which is not good. We have to be really who we are and what we are. Powers Park Ops says APEC gives PNG a chance to transcend its current social shortfalls. I think it's very absolutely good for Port Mosby, but also for Papua New Guinea. Um, it, uh, you know, uh, gives us a, you know, hope for the future because I think for a long time in PNG we came to a dead end. That people thought that this is the end of it. We nothing was going right. Um, so, you know, undertaking those changes in Port Mosby is good for ours you know, psychology that uh, we started to have self-believe again that we can achieve more, we can do more, that there is another standard that we can reach. But it's the future that Brian Kramer worries about. But there's, you know, there's a line where you, there's a point where you fall off a cliff. And the concern is that we, you know, if we continue to go down the road path, we are, uh, after Apex all done, after November, uh, then, then what for PNG? Uh, all these roads that are, were now buried being de- in debt by the Chinese... Uh, they're delivering out these projects. They're all attached to, to loans that we're now forced to pay off. And, and so most of these contracts have been qu- questionable be, by being inflated. And so, yeah, we, these, are the, these are the issues that we're going to have to face post-APEC, and it's not going to be easy. The road to hosting the APEC summit in about two weeks has proved rough for Papua New Guinea. The country's leaders anticipate a unique chance to capitalise on PNG's place at the juncture of Asia and the Pacific. But for a country whose people are trying to find their place in a world of upheavals, natural and man-made disasters, the steepest challenges may still lie ahead. That programme was written and presented by Johnny Blades. If you'd like to discover some great listening, you can head to our page at rnz.co.nz forward slash insight, iTunes, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Next week, 100 years after the flu pandemic, how well are we prepared for the next one? I'm Philippa Tolley and that's all from Insight for today. Lovely to have you with us and join us again next week.